Aloha, welcome to Talk Story, a podcast for the pilots of Hawaiian Airlines. The world is changing fast. Pilots deal with stress in different ways, and sometimes it can be tough to get help. Between regulatory disclosure requirements and the pressure to keep up appearances, pilots sometimes can quickly find themselves in over their heads. But there is hope. Today we have three fantastic guests who volunteer their time to help pilots each and every day. Please welcome to the show Captain Tom Henderson. He's the HIMSS Chair at the HAL MEC. Pilot Assistance Chair Captain Pam Huber. And Aeromedical Committee Chair Captain Diego Sanchez. Aloha, everybody. Aloha. Good, good morning. Doing well. Thank it's you. changing every day. You quarantined the ninth proclamation. We're at nine now. Are we at nine? Eight, we're at eight. eight yes, we're at eight. Eight came out last week. Make me nervous. <laughs> <laughs> Most people know Pam. You've been on the all-pilot conference call. Um, you're doing a lot of work with the <gasps> COVID-19 task force. Just bring up up to speed and what your committee's doing and what's what's going on in the, in the background there. Well, the pilot assistance name is just sort of a banner that covers all of the um, committees of aeromedical and critical incident response and HIMSS. And the reason why I took that title was to sort of just be the, the mother hen, or, or as Andrew called me, the uh, den mother, and just make sure that uh, all of the committees are getting staffed and um, trained. And uh, unfortunately, this uh, COVID-19 has thrown a wrench into those larger plans. Whatever your concern is, if you call me, I will direct you to somebody who can help if I can't. Uh, we got a uh, new aeromedical committee chair, uh, Diego Sanchez. Uh, tell us a little bit about your committee and, and what you guys do. Uh, well, the aeromedical committee, um, I think at its core, is there to facilitate the various medical resources available to us as pilots in our unique uh, role uh, as far as maintaining certification. Uh, but at the same time, uh, Probably a lesser known portion of that is uh, this sort of falls under the pilot assistance is the uh, pilot peer support uh, section of aeromedical, which is fairly new. Uh, so that's a big thing. And then there's also uh, AMAS, which is a huge resource for all of us. Uh, I've used it on small accounts. Uh, you know, I think all of us uh, have had a need for it. Whether or not a lot of the pilots even know about it uh, is another story. Yeah, tell us about that. Tell us about AMAS and what do they do? And so they're um, aeromedical board certified doctors that are on staff. Um, and as ALPA members, it's already free to us. So uh, we have them at our disposal. So whenever you're coming up on a unique issue with your medical, whether it be uh, trying to get certification back uh, or if you're going through something unique, you can find it on the aeromedical site. In fact, if you go to alpa.org, and the first page that comes up, if you click on Aeromedical, it'll actually take you to AMAS. I think my goal, um, at least in the near future, since Pam is doing such a great job of uh, heading up the task force on COVID-19, uh, I think I'm more concerned with trying to get um, the pilot peer support network a little bit more advertised out there. We're essentially pilots helping pilots. Uh, we're not offering medical advice. And I can't stress this enough, we're not there as an intervention. Essentially, we're not going to call them. Mm. Um, I, I want to make that clear. Um, so you could tell me like, oh, so-and-so has, he's having issues at home, you know, he's having a rough time financially or whatever. 
Um, my answer is always going to be, that's great. I'm going to give them the number, have them call because it's a pilot initiated call. And again, we're not an intervention, but we're there to help. We're, we're friends helping friends or pilots helping pilots, you know, uh, it's, it's another level of CRM to sure. try and keep you in the cockpit, keep you healthy mentally and, uh, keep you doing the job we all love. We got uh, Tom Anderson from Hims, uh, probably fairly well known within the the pilot group. Tell tell us about your work. Aloha, um, I'm Tom Anderson. I'm the Hims uh, chairman. I have been for uh, just a little bit over 15 years. Um, I think most people are uh, familiar with me, but Hims um, is the uh, program for substance abuse or alcohol abuse. Uh, pilots uh, suffering from that are related issues. Um, uh, it does stand for Human Intervention Motivation Study. Um, we are basically a uh, confidential resource for somebody who's suffering from substance abuse. Uh, they can reach out, uh, or their family, or concerns about other pilots. Um, we're not the police. Never has been, and uh, as long as I'm involved, it won't be. It was founded by pilots back in the late 70s because uh, alcoholism used to be a disqualifying medical condition, and they realized it was actually occurring whether people wanted to acknowledge it or not. So the FAA, together with the pilots and management, decided it's better to uh, identify and treat and uh, return the pilot safely to the cockpit if they're qualified uh, versus looking the other way and sweeping it under the carpet. Uh, it's probably one of the most fulfilling things I've done in my career, and, you know, I've had a great career. Uh, I've been in Hawaii 28-plus years. Uh, I've been involved with training and flown all different types of airplanes and met all different types of great pilots since I've been here. Uh, but if I had to look back, uh, I would say probably the most rewarding part of what I've done is helping other pilots that get in a jam. Um, so the reason I, I asked to uh, come on today or talk today is because uh, substance abuse during times of stress really has a tendency to surface. And the last thing I want for any of our pilots to do is uh, get themselves in a jam or get in trouble and feel like there's nothing out there for them to reach out for. So I just want anyone, if they're suffering, if they think they need help, if there's a family member suffering or a friend you're worried about, you can call. It's confidential. I pride myself on that. It is an island. I can't guarantee that if you go into the program that people won't find out eventually. I'm certainly not going to uh, broadcast it. Um, there's nothing to be ashamed about um, the way the FAA looks at it and the way uh, ALPA and pretty much uh, most people educated on the subject look at substance abuses is a disease model. Um, and they treat it that way. Um, it's not without its frustrations, uh, but um, I find people come to me in uh, many ways. Sometimes I'm contacted by a flight attendant or another pilot, a wife, a husband, uh, a mother, a father, um, DUIs, uh, random DOT testing. I mean, you name it, it's happened. And uh, what that says to me is I know it's out there. Pilots are no different than anybody else. Um, we like to think we are, but we're basically like everybody else, and there's a certain percentage that are going to be affected by this disease. Um, it's a phenomenal program. Uh, it's been so successful that many other professions have actually mimicked it because they were amazed at the uh, the success rates, and uh, that's all relative success rate. But, um, you know, it's it's been super rewarding. I'm really privileged that you guys let me do it. I love working with everybody. This is one of those committees you can get involved with safety, helping pilots, keeping 
getting people's jobs protected and protecting the people that are working around everybody else. So uh, I really feel privileged to have done it. And I, I would encourage anybody. Uh, I'm a, the chairman. Pam Huber is a committee member as well as Ryan Wong. And uh, these people are just phenomenal. We've all agreed 24-7, anytime, reach out. You know, I know people feel like they're bothering us. They're not. So if you feel like you're struggling, um, and I'm not going to get into the three drinks, five drinks, you know, uh, I was up to a half gallon, so you're all a bunch of amateurs anyway. <laughs> but uh, at any rate, um, you'll know. If if you're sitting at home and you're going, wow, I think this is getting out of hand. I'm, I'm really consuming more than I should be or I'm doing risky behavior. Um, the fact that you're having the conversation with yourself is probably a good hint that you should be reaching out. Um, and reaching out doesn't mean that you're going to get disclosed to the FAA. Uh, that's not how I approach it. You know, you reach out and uh, – I'm going to do my darndest to make sure you don't have to go to the FAA. Uh, there's lots of resources available. There's counseling, there's recovery programs, uh, and just the empathy of other people that have been through it sometimes is enough for somebody to put their life in the right direction. So uh, please, anybody, if you, if you know of anybody that's suffering, I mean, I met the guy from Northwest personally, and uh, it always stuck with me, uh, the captain that got arrested and went to jail. And uh, he He's a pretty amazing ex-fighter pilot, uh, aviator, and his thing was, if somebody had just spoken up and saved me from going to jail, I would be so grateful, because there's still impacts on his family, decades later. Um, so you may feel like you're dropping the dime or snitching. That's not how it is. I don't run around and start gathering data um, to indict people. It's not what it is. Uh, we're here to help you, and uh, it's a collaborative effort between the FAA, doctors, ALPA, the union, and management. I know that's hard to imagine that happens, but this may be one of those rare committees where that actually does occur. So that's basically what I have to say. I had the uh, engineer on that flight in my jump seat, Joe, Joe Balzer. Yes. Uh, I read his book, and it was one of the best books I've ever read. It's called Flying Drunk. And uh, if you guys don't know, it's a uh, story about a, a 727 crew that flew from Fargo to Minneapolis, and all three of them were, were fairly toasted they were all drunk and they all went to jail for it and uh, two of the three of the crew members got their licenses back back in those times 1970s was it uh it might have been a little later yeah. than that the program started in it, the 70s. it was if if you got caught drinking or any kind of alcohol you got fired there was no type of program or any type of uh, uh, treatment you could seek out and this case was one of the first uh, uh cases where the faa say hey if we're if we're hiding this we're we're burying the problem and hymns came out of yep. this and several other incidents back in the day yeah it, it actually began with the navy believe it or not um they had a rash of accidents and they found that a couple of guys that had been killed in crashes were actually drunk why i'm happy to say that in commercial aviation part 121 i don't believe there's ever been a documented case of drugs or alcohol causing the accident that doesn't mean that we don't have guys suffering and that they're not on their A game. They're flying, uh, I don't want to say impaired, but uh, hungover or uh, residual effects of substance abuse. And it does affect safety. But, uh, yeah, they, they knew. So they started this program, and uh, they were just so pleased with the success. Um, what you have to do, though, is if you end up in the program, the HIMSS program, with a special issuance, is you have to document your recovery and your abstinence. And it is very, very rigid. The testing is detailed. The follow-up is detailed almost to an annoying level where it can be frustrating. But uh, uh, 
rest assured, I know some people are like, well, why don't we just get rid of those people? Nobody gets returned to a cockpit unless they have jumped through all the flaming hoops. The, I would say the, the end game that we don't want is the DOT positive. Um, God forbid you ever get st- caught drunk at the controls. Um, you're going to jail. It's what's going to happen. It's been happening in the news. Um, it's a horrible thing to think of. Luckily, if you show up and uh, are you tested afterwards, they don't uh, interpolate backwards, so they're not going to give you on-duty use. So you do lose your licenses if you test positive. Um, you can retest, re- get your certificates back. But that's also a very humbling experience. Take a 20,000-hour pilot and have him go do his private pilot. Um, so rest assured, anybody that uh, we've got in the program that uh, we're bringing back, uh, we're pretty confident they're safe and doing the right thing. I think one of the things with this pandemic is all of us airline types, we haven't had a normal, or at least I haven't had a normal uh, sleep schedule, you know, routines, trying to trying to form my own routine in these last three months has been real strange. Maybe Pam, we can talk about how the changes uh, in the world today are, 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 are shaping pilots and how, how we can when deal with that kind of stress. On a personal note, um, since I've known my husband, this is the longest that we've been under one roof together consecutively, really? thanks to the <laughs> pandemic. Because of both of us being pilots, we've always either had to fly or been in training. And so this has provided an opportunity to find out how well we cohabit and it's working out, thankfully. <laughs> You're you're just starting to learn him now. Yeah, Yeah, well, and and to your point, I've also never had this normal sleep schedule. Um, I'm probably one of the few, humble brag, I've lost weight during this pandemic. Come on. Yeah, because I'm I'm able to exercise every day. I'm able to eat healthy. I'm not foraging through airport garbage bins for Cheetos. You haven't eaten the snack mix in in months. Exactly. So um, it is having impacts. Um, and then also to draw in the hymns thing, a lot of pilots know how to gauge their consumption of anything based on when's my next flight? How many days do I have? Am I going to get a random? And now we're having this period of month upon month freedom where that might <laughs> that might allow people to, uh, you know, slacken up on, on how much they're drinking or even eating. So the issue is, is, you know, we can't control everything around us, but we can control how we react to the things happening to us and around us. And so that's why we're trying to assist as far as the union goes with the resources that you can use to help control the things that you can. So... A lot of times, uh, mental health gets swept under the rug for a lot of pilots, maybe out of the fear of uh, having to disclose it on their FAA medical and uh, this, the thought that, hey, if I, if I seek help, uh, I might medically disqualify myself. Could you guys point um, maybe what, what should pilots be doing or what direction should they go uh, if they're worried about their mental health and uh, what, what should they do? Um, well, if they do get in contact with a peer support volunteer, um, most of us are trained to kind of go through our, for lack of a better term, our curage for the, for the call. And there are definitely more advisable paths to take. Um, you know, EAS is an option for certain things, but while that may not be reportable, they're not as 
necessarily aviation savvy. Um, mental health practitioners, for the most part, are. Um, however, you, you have other options too, like family, family counseling. We do have a list that we go through um, as far as you know, better options to take if you kind of want to avoid the uh, having to report it to the FAA. Sure. Um, there's ways there's, there's ways to get help. There's ways to get around. I mean, but if you do need legitimate mental health help too, I mean, you sh if, if that is a path that looks the most um, appropriate uh, to getting back to your, your own stability and mental health, then by all means, uh, we'll do that. Again, everything is confidential and we don't talk to anyone. The only time that that might even become an issue is if the caller happens to be in imminent harm from themselves. Mm -hmm. um, at that point, we do have to step over the line and, and make sure that their their safety is taken first and foremost. But uh, we're definitely there to to help them with their available options, available resources, and uh, to try and keep it as confidential as possible. Pam, you, your thoughts on that? Getting, yeah, getting I, health? he mentioned uh, the EAP program, and uh, every um, – airline has some form of employee assistance program, which is paid for by the company, whether anybody uses it or not. Um, because pilots have unique medical requirements, uh, there is a caveat. If you notice on your FAA medical application form in the fine print, when you talk about your doctor visits, it does say that any visits to the EAP is not reportable. So caveat I want to make there, even though you don't have to report EAP use, um, we do have suggestions and you can find this on the alpa.org website. Um, there are questions that you can ask your therapist when you meet with them to find out what their background is and to also let them know that you have special medical requirements. This is also a function that the Aviation Medical Advisory Service, AMAS, they can also help in referring uh, therapists and doctors who may be able to treat because um, many of the situations that we face are just resolvable through talk therapy, through a little bit of education. Um, unfortunately, just like cancer, sometimes clinical depression can rear its ugly head. It is treatable. There are pilots who have taken a leave of absence to address their mental health concerns, even be prescribed medication for the period of time to treat the illness, much like you would if you had cancer and you needed to step aside for a few years to do chemo and radiation. Then you get the treatment you need, you get well, and then you come back. And so that's one of the things that um, I think many pilots are so afraid to speak up because they, as soon as they use the word depression or anxiety, they think, well, that's it. It'll be over for me. Not necessarily. And, and you know, self-disclosure, I come by this honestly. The reason I help is because there was a time in my life where I was dealing with a lot of heavy stuff. And I fought through it, white knuckle, but it was through the help of friends and people who had already been through the program um, a lot of you remember Mimi Tompkins. It's, it's through caring people who have a vested interest in the mental health of pilots that allowed me to get help. And that's why I want to demystify the whole issue of mental health and addiction and alcoholism because these are treatable conditions. And a lot of times you don't even need to do it 
through formal channels and get paper diagnosis. There are alternatives that are available that will help. Let's talk about confidentiality, Tom. Uh, PIMS is is known as one of the best programs in the world because it's it's very self-sustaining and really nothing comes out of it. Uh, yeah, it's um, so hymns, uh, kind of like what Diego said, uh, we don't keep written records. Um, there's immunity for the hymns chairman. I, I would actually go to court and say, I will not comment on that. And uh, Alpo will represent. So I, I, I know I'm trying to sell it to you guys, but it's true. Your confidentiality will be respected. Um, asking for help or inquiring about help, you know, not even asking for help, just an inquiry about, hey, I'm just kind of wondering, maybe, if, if you have a question, if, if you think maybe there's something, give a shout. Um, certainly, there's no reason to take it to the level of what Pam was saying, diagnosis. I can't emphasize enough how good AMAS is. Um, that is your right as an ALPA member, it's paid for, they're confidential, you call up, you tell them, hey, uh, my doctor's recommending this medication, and they go, oh, no, you don't want to take that. But you could take this. Uh, they will talk to you. You can do the what-ifs and the hypotheticals. They'll give you medical advice. Um, they're not going to let you put yourself in jeopardy because it's kind of, you know, if, if you're sick and you need help and you ignore it, uh, alcoholism is chronic, progressive, and usually fatal if left untreated. So um, that's just the reality of the disease. That's the path it follows. Um, so if you think you're suffering, uh, the confidentiality is there. Um, I, you know, I, there's so much help out there. I am seeing, I want, I'm going to go off on a tangent because everybody knows I have ADD. Whoops. <laughs> Self-disclosure. Um, there's a lot of stress lately. And uh, so I get contacted because the behavior is, oh, maybe we have a problem with substance abuse. And I'm like, well, maybe we do. But maybe it's just somebody really fearful, really stressed out, and they're acting out. And I can guarantee you, drinking excessive amounts and acting out will almost always get your name dropped to the hymns committee by whoever feels like you're acting in an inappropriate manner. doesn't mean I put you on a hit list or I'm going to follow up. I may contact you and say, hey, is everything okay? Uh, I may just talk with the MEC chairman and say, no, we're going to let's, let's let this sit. Somebody might have just had a bad night. So I just want to reassure people. <laughs> We're here to help. We're not here not to the secret police. I, yeah, we're not here yeah. to identify you as the papers. Please come with Tom. It's all going to be fine. And you talk to some of the people I help. You're like, don't go with that guy. It's two years of hell. But uh, that's not the goal. And typically, that would be a question I always get. So if you self-disclose and you did need help and you went through the route, it was originally designed to be nine months to 12 months back to the cockpit. It was also designed so that you could use um, your vacation and your sick leave, and then VEBA for up to two years. And then even after two years, if you're cooperating with the program, meaning you're doing everything uh, that you can do to aid in your recovery, why the FAA is doing whatever they're doing. So we're there. Uh, there's there's a, a whole program in place for that. Um, I know it's a big step, but I mean, if, if I could say anything, I'd say if you truly think that a condition that would make you a candidate for hymns is affecting your life. The alternative will never be good. It, I've just seen it. I've buried friends. I've seen friends lose careers. It's a real serious thing. I've seen it affect family members. I've seen it affect my children personally. It's a horrible, horrible disease that really has a huge impact on employers, coworkers, family, but there's help and there, there is a solution to it. Um, 
And it's a pretty simple solution. It's just, you know, typically if you say somebody, you know, maybe you should lay off the booze. It's like anything but that, you know, I'll do anything. I'll run 30 miles, but no. But on the flip side, I have lots of friends that are, you know, they're social drinkers and I, I have no problem with it. Um, I understand that alcohol is a great during times of stress, if you use it moderately, it's fine. I would just caution yourself to look for uh, tolerance increase, um, family issues. You're fighting with the wife or the husband. I know Pam and Pat have issues, but that's a whole different <laughs> thing. Don't believe what she said. And, uh, just be cognizant. Don't fool yourself. So there's an old expression, you know, to thy own self be true and, and be honest with yourself. And then if, if that thought comes up, hey, maybe I should give Tom a call, give me a call. Please do not drive drunk, whatever you do. Take Uber, please. I can't beg you enough. The other thing is, if you're experimenting with legal marijuana while you're on this extended surfer leave or leave of absence, do not come back to Hawaiian Airlines with a dirty urine sentinel. You will end up in HIMSS. And uh, the FAA is a little more receptive to self-disclosure than they are DOT positives. So if you have inquiries about that, and I get these calls, you know, how long should I wait? You know, we'll talk about it. We'll figure it out. We're, we're here to help you protect your career, protect the cockpit, protect your colleagues. Uh, Diego, before we go, um, can we talk about medicals and medical extensions and what's going on in the COVID <coughs> world? Uh, I, I heard there is an extension if your medical expires, but it, I think the recommendation is to keep your medical current if you can. Yeah, the, co the company's current recommendation is if you can uh, keep your medical current. Uh, if you do live on Oahu, I, I can say Dr. Keller is uh, taking appointments in Kailua. I think he's off um, Wednesdays and Fridays, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, they are doing social distancing. You'll need a mask to get in the building. Um, so that that's going on. But uh, I don't know about the other AMEs, but I know for sure Dr. Keller is. Um, I just got it done. As far as the extension itself, uh, or more accurately, the lack of enforcement i should say by the faa that is basically for any medical expiring between march 31st and june 30th or sorry may, may 31st uh, but you do have up until june 30th to get it completed and i did just get clarification uh, yesterday actually so if you do have a special issuance medical um per the faa they are also included okay. so it's under the same circumstance so if you do have a special issuance, then it's it's the same boat. Um, if it, it falls within the parameters of March 31st and May 31st, then you have till June 30th. But my recommendation would be to get it as soon as possible, not only for peace of mind, but, uh, you know, Dr. Keller's open right now. Uh, who knows what, sure. what could possibly happen in this sure. world we live in. So uh, the sooner the better, if you can. Um, There's one less thing we have to worry about. And I'm just going to plug that we have uh, DART, the Data Action Report, up and running. And for uh, several uh, committees like HIMS and ProStance, uh, you can fill out a DART uh, without having to disclose exactly what you're wanting to talk about. So you can fill out your name and email and phone number. You click send, and uh, within 48 hours, someone will be able to contact you. And uh, it's a good way to make first contact if you're really not too sure uh, where to start. Hey, guys, thanks for joining us today. Uh, hopefully, we'll all be back to work soon. Thanks for working during this pandemic. Glad we're all we're all able to at least meet here for a little bit and talk story for a little while. I love you guys. Take care. Take care. Thanks. Mahalo for taking the time out of your busy day to join us, you guys.
Talk Story is a production of the Hawaiian Airlines MEC produced here in Honolulu, Hawaii. If you have questions, email them to halcommunications at alpha.org.